Hello, yes, it's another weekly podcast episode brought to you by APW, your partner in property and friendly purchase advisor, should you wish to embark on a buy-to-let investment in the UK. Uh, Today, I've got the top team, Stuart and Callum Williamson. Hello. Hey, Paul. Hello, Paul. Hi, how are you both? Well, just back from an eight-week trip around the world, doing the market routes from different different locations. So uh, interesting to see how Different economies are developing in Dubai, Singapore, Hong Kong. Uh, so it's been an exciting period over Christmas. So you've been dipping your toe into the global mood music about everything. So it uh, must be interesting. Yeah, you can stitch some of that into uh, today's episode, which is market mosey time. So we're looking back at what happened in January and the of the significant events that might be affecting the UK property market. Uh, Stuart, you've got your own, uh, like you say, you're doing the market wrap, your own epic YouTube journey, which you started in lockdown and have been doing your weekly episodes ever since. What have you noticed this month? Oh, really, it's really, there's more positive sentiment in the UK in that um, people are seeing the interest rates are falling and they've got the probably fall more this year than people expected. Also, the inflation figures that came out for, I think it was November, were a bit of a surprise, uh, but it's, it's going against the trend. So there's a lot more positive sentiment. I know uh, a lot of the people we work with have had the most amazing January as far as property sales. So it really is a ch- change around from November, December, when people were a bit doom and gloom still, there is a positive market sentiment. People are seeing it in traits are falling and they are buying a lot more property than they were previously. Yes, because the, the background, uh, you know, uncertainty is is still is still there and it seems to keep being added to. We've got uh, the situation in Palestine, Ukraine, the Houthi rebel strikes. We've still got an energy crisis rumbling in the background and a cost of living crisis. Climate change, obviously, is a staple and a certain amount of electoral uncertainty as the wheels of democracy grind their way across the 52 states and leave us wondering, will Biden make it? Will Trump be ruined by the courts in time? Um, but uh, you've been a bit more bullish. Like you say, you, you've felt that things are, are getting better. Why is that? What do you think has changed? I think um, it's the first time people really have seen interest rates go up consecutively a lot of people who've been buying or trying to buy, and that has frightened them. And, you know, they haven't lived through sort of the 70s and 80s when you had interest rates up at 14%. So to leave them, see them really up about 8 or 9% in some cases was quite frightening. But they didn't understand that it was only a short-term thing and it would come back down, which we always knew it would. So it's just a case of, you know, in any one stage of the market you've got, people who are brand new to it, people who are leaving it, and people who have been in it before. So you you always get a a certain amount of surprise and fear from the market because they don't know what's going on and they haven't experienced it before. So that's what it is, really. It's just people saying, you know, regular people say to me, oh, interest rates really high, aren't they? Going up even higher. And actually, no, they're on the way down. and They're not that high anyway. So it's just misconceptions, that's all, because people haven't experienced it. Okay, well, let's um, let's have a look at those latest official numbers uh, to see if we can work out which way the economic wind is blowing in the long term. Callum, uh, inflation, take us through some of those figures. All righty. Latest official ONS figures, these are, so that's Office of National Statistics. 
Uh, they released January 17th and show inflation rate for December at 4.2%. That's the CPIH. CPI was 4%, both of which rose 0.4% on a monthly basis in December, which was the same as December in 2022, so the year before. So, so the CPIH, yeah, CPIH, that's the Consumer Price Index with housing costs, and the CPI is the Consumer Price Index. So they're sli- slightly different uh, rates, but uh, they track each other pretty closely. Yeah, and I think, um, as Stuart was saying, you know, I think people can see that those are going in the right direction now, which is why sort of last month in January we saw mortgage rates, not the Bank of England rate, obviously, but mortgage rates start to come down. You know, I was just speaking to a client earlier today who's got a five-year fix buying through a company, and um, he's now got a lower rate for that than I was offered for my purchase through a company last year. So it was quite high, six point something, but it is proof that rates are coming down and, you know, investors and buyers are feeling that. So anyway, some stuff from the ONS website. The largest upward contribution to the monthly change in both indexes came from alcohol and tobacco, uh, while the largest downward contribution came from food and non-alcoholic beverages. Uh, Core CPIH, excluding energy, food, alcohol and tobacco, rose by 5.2% in the 12 months to December last year, 23, the same rate as in November. CPIH uh, goods annual rate slowed from 2% to uh, 1.9%, while CPIH services annual rate remained at 6%. Yeah, so we start. We always start off with the inflation figures because that's the target rates that the Bank of England uh, have to. They're statutorily obliged to try and keep inflation at two percent. Uh, so when it's a bit over, they've got this mechanism, which is the bank base rate that they'll tweak to try and slow the economy down a bit. So with those latest inflation figures, uh, what did the Bank of England Monetary Policy Committee make of all of that, uh, Stuart? Well, at the meeting at the end of January, I think 31st, I think it was, the MPC voted at a majority of six to three to keep the rate the same at 5.25%. Two members wanted to increase it by 2.25% and one wanted to reduce it by the same amount. So there's a bit of indecision and a bit of consideration going on there as what is going on really in the marketplace. So how, how does that compare to previous votes? You know, is that more people, I don't think we had people voting for a, a downward move in, in interest rates previously, did we? I think that might be right. I think that could be the first time in a while that someone's voted for a downward movement. Uh, so, yeah, but it, but it's a weird process, isn't it? That you, It's kind of Kremlin watching the, you know, who voted for what. But the headline is that they kept the rate at the same, uh, 5.25. What did, was it something that the market expected? What's the market? view of all of this, Stuart? Yeah, I mean, people were expecting it to stay, stay the same, uh, I believe. I mean, the Bank of England left it so late to start raising rates way behind the Fed that um, the, they're quite a long way behind the Fed now. So even though the Fed is talking about doing five cuts this year, I don't think we'll be anywhere like that in the UK. So it'll be maintained, I think, for this one and you know, going forward for a couple of meetings yet. Yes. Okay. Well, since the MPC's previous meeting, global GDP growth has remained subdued, uh, although activity continues to be stronger in the United States. Uh, Inflationary pressures are abating across the euro area and the United States. 
Uh, wholesale energy prices have fallen significantly. Material risks remain from developments in the Middle East and from disruption to shipping through the Red Sea. Uh, following recent weakness, GDP growth is expected to pick up gradually during the forecast period, in large part reflecting a waning drag on the rate of growth from past increases in the bank rate. Uh, so that was from the uh, what are, what the inflation predictions in the report, because uh, every other meeting, I think, they produce a, a, a quarterly report on, on what they expect. And there was a lot in the February report as well. Uh, that accompanied that last meeting. Uh, so, what what were their inflation predictions, Callum? Uh, the C, this is the CPI now uh, projected to fall temporarily to the two percent target in the second quarter of this year, before rising in Q three and Q four, which is obviously great news. As we said earlier in the podcast, that is one of their fiscal targets or monetary. One of their big four is to have a two percent inflation, and that's why they raise interest rates is to control that. So. That would indicate that rates are going to come down, which is why we have seen mortgage rates coming down, because everyone can see this information. The report says this profile of inflation over the second half of the year is accounted for by developments in the direct energy price contribution to 12-month inflation, which becomes less negative. In the MPC's latest, most likely, or modal projection conditioned on the lower market implied path for the bank rate, the CPI inflation is around two and three quarters of a percent by the end of this year. So again, pretty positive compared to 12% that we, we saw previous couple of years. Um, it then remains above tar- target over nearly all of the remainder of the forecast period. This reflects the persistence of domestic inflationary pressure, despite an increasing degree of slack in the economy. CPIH inflation is projected to be 2.3% in two years' time, and 1.9% in three years. So it's all, you know, it's a downward trend, which is positive for property buyers. Yes, and some of it's a statistical quirk. We've mentioned this before, that uh, obviously when you're only looking back 12 months, if there was a spike in something that happened in, say, you know, February a year ago, uh, that then drops out of the figures. And so you can kind of, you, you, you can predict some of the things that are dropping out of the figures quite quite easily. The rest of it is this kind of sticky inflation that they're also trying to to squash. Uh, in their quarterly report, they had this to say, their key judgments. Uh, so key judgment one, uh, following recent weakness, GDP growth is expected to pick up gradually during the forecast period. That in large part reflects a waning drag on the rate of growth from past increases in the bank rate. So they very successfully dampened the economy. Key judgment two, uh, excess demand in the UK economy is judged to have diminished significantly over recent quarters. Potential supply growth is expected to remain relatively subdued by historical standards. But the continuing relative weakness of demand leads a margin of economic slack to emerge during the first half of the forecast period. Uh, Unemployment is expected to rise somewhat further. And their key judgment three, the committee continues to expect second round effects in domestic prices and wages to take longer to unwind than they did to emerge uh, in the near term. So uh, they then go on to say CPI inflation falls more quickly than projected previously, partly reflecting lower energy prices. But conditioned on the lower path of market interest rates, inflation then increases and remains above the 2% target over nearly all of the remainder of the forecast period. And I think they look ahead about three years. 
So, uh, yes, and their chart. Uh, at the three-year horizon, uh, external forecasters expected that four-quarter GDP growth to be uh, 1.6%, the unemployment rate to be 4.5%, and CPI inflation to be 2.1%. So that's an average of other forecasters that they also uh, take into account. Uh, so that's their kind of view of what's happening in the economy. We've got some other stuff, the, the IMF saying, oh, you know, don't drop any taxes in the budget to the government. That was their warning, uh, you, you know, saying that the government needs the money to pay off its debt. Uh, we don't want another repeat of the Liz Trust quasi Quarteng budget. So all eyes will be on what Jeremy Hunt does in March. Uh, but all of this now, we've done the inflation, the base rate. What's What does that mean for the mortgage market, Stuart? Well, it means the mortgage offerings, you know, will become more competitive. You've got a lot more banks out there competing for their share of the market, and there's not much going on in the market at the moment compared to how it has been in boom years. So they need to cut their margin margins to get as much as the business as possible, which is what they're doing. They're cutting them, you know, now down to getting a three in front of some of the fixed deals, so three point eight, three point nine percent. So I'd have hoped it'd be down to sub three uh, within 12, 12, 18 months, which is you know a great, great result for a lot of people, especially those who are coming off fixed deals now who need to roll on something more expensive. Yeah, since the start of the year, more than 50 mortgage lenders have cut residential rates. Uh, this is according to thisismoney.co.uk in an article in January. As of the 17th of January, five-year fixed-rate deals were at an average of 5.2%, according to MoneyFacts. The average two-year fixed rate was 5.62. Uh, in terms of the lowest rate, borrowers can get just below 4% when fixing for five years or just above 4% when fixing for two years. Uh, looking through the latest figures from U-Switch, you've got Halifax offering a two-year fix at 4.17 and a five-year fix at 3.93. Uh, these are for residential uh, rates, you know, normal uh, vanilla mortgages rather than the buy-to-let ones, which are uh, usually slightly more. Um, are the overseas rates uh, the same, Stuart? Uh, normally pay an extra 1% on a on a, a waiting because it's a um, expatriate deal. So, yeah, basically 1% more on a personal basis and 1.5% um, more if it's on a corporate basis. Okay. Uh, so what's the effect of all of this on house prices, Callum? Where's your go-to for looking at uh, house prices? Well, I quite personally enjoy a bit of right move because I think they've got all the live data there, so it's the most up-to-date. But I think just before that, you know, mortgage rates coming down – you know, that's good news for everyone. It's not just good news for people looking to get mortgages now. I was chatting to someone earlier and they sort of asked the question, does five years mean that I can't change it at all for five years? And the answer is no. You know, you can remortgage or change your mortgage before that period. Just got to look at the if there's any charges within that. So even people that did get higher rate mortgages last year or the year before, you know, it's a good time as rates come down to look at changing that. And if you can save a percent or two, then you can save yourself a couple of hundred quid, 500 quid, depending on the value of the mortgage. So it's good news all round, I would say. Apart from those penalty figures, which, uh, yeah, early redemption figures is what you need to look for in your small print or in the uh, offer. Early redemption is when you pay off the mortgage before the end of term. And quite often, you know, they'll have, you know, a lot of mortgage companies will have a sliding rate. They'll start off at 5%. 
uh, as an early redemption in the first year and then going down 4%, 3%, and then maybe 2%, 2% for the last two years uh, over a five-year fix. So depending on how much you borrow, it can be quite hefty. But if you put the numbers into a spreadsheet, you can then decide whether it's uh, economically justified to pay the charge and remortgage. One of the things that just on the economy that we haven't been mentioned but is, is positive is the purchasing managers index. I mean, if that's over 50, which has been now for three months, you know, that's a positive aspect. And it means that people are looking at their, their inventories and building them up. So it's it's a good thing to be seeing. And it's actually better than we're seeing across the, the channel because France and Germany have, have both got a sub-50 uh, result. So the UK isn't doing as bad as all that when it comes to GDP, growth, and potential. Okay. Uh, back to the house prices, Callum. Okay, house prices. Uh, as I say, I like a bit of right move. Zoopla's good, but, you know, Savills, Knight Frank, they're all good. Make sure you look at a cross-section because often they'll have different uh, figures on what they expect growth to be, as we've discussed before in the podcast. So uh, the figures are saying prices were 0.7% lower than January of the year before, whereas in December prices were 1.1% lower, so they're going up. Annual price is slow. Uh, annual price drop is slowing. They all say that new sellers asking prices went up by one point three percent, and that demand went up by five percent in the first week of January, which is quite extraordinary. Yeah, so there are a lot, obviously a lot more people looking. Uh, Their the comment is that uh, tentatively promising activity in the first week of the year, markedly stronger than a year ago, as more prospective buyers and sellers seem to have the confidence to get their 2024 moving plans started early. What about Zoopla, Stuart? What have they got to say? Well, basically, they were saying that house prices fell in the year to the end of December 2023 by 0.8%. Um, compared to a, a fall of 1.4% in the year to October 2023. So basically, the fall is is getting less uh, across the country. And bear in mind, this is you know across the country. So some parts are still going up, some parts are going down. I think as well, if you look at some of the some interesting figures from Rightmove, and these give a good indication of the animal instincts or the market sentiment. Uh, number of sales agreed is 20% higher than during the first week of last year. I mean, that's massive, indicating a strong return in buyer confidence. And they also say Rightmove, since Christmas, uh, Rightmove see nine of its 10 busiest days on record for people getting a mortgage in principle to see what they can afford to borrow. So again, that's a pretty massive indicator of how people are feeling about the market. Yes, and uh, they've, they've got their own figures on uh, that uh uh, mortgage rate uh, figures. Uh, the average five-year mortgage rate is now 4.86 compared to 6.11% at the July 2023 peak. Now, given the length of time it takes sales to come through as well, uh, you've got to check that you're looking at sales agreed as opposed to actual sales uh, because 19 weeks was the average between a sale agreed and a uh, completion because solicitors, they've obviously got a lot to do when they're working from home. They've got to mow the garden, you know, cook the supper. Okay, uh, what else did uh, Zoopla have to say? Uh, they're saying that the house price falls that you are seeing are in Eng- east of England, 2.5, and the southwest, 2.2. The Northern Ireland is an outlier with house prices up by 3.2, which is a strange thing, really, because... 
you know, Northern Ireland has been sort of ring fenced since the financial crisis because there's um, still a lot of houses over there in negative equity. So I think in any reporting you see, you've got to take it all with a pinch of salt because it can mean not very much in any case of doing your own research. But the re- return of the devolved parliament will probably have a an uplift in Northern Ireland, will it? Oh, for sure. But the problem is, is, is lending. You can't borrow to buy in Northern Ireland unless you actually live there, which um, basically cuts off all the international market. You know, I often get people coming to us saying, I'd like to buy in Northern Ireland because I went to Queen's University or I'm from Belfast or whatever it might be. And we can't get any lending for them because post the troubles, but lenders are unhappy to lend because of the, the potential risks. Okay. In uh, Zoopla report as well, they do, you know, there's a tentative thing of is London starting to wake up? Uh, they say that uh, all markets in London have seen a similar uplift in demand, including inner, suburban, outer, and core commuter areas around the city. Could reflect a turn of fortunes for the London housing market. Over the last seven years, the capital has lagged behind the rest of the UK in house price growth and sales numbers. House prices have risen 13% in London since 2016, compared to 34% in the UK and 50% in Wales. Flat prices in London rose just 2% in this time. Uh, so positive signs. Are you ever uh, uh, looking at London, Stuart and Callum? Yeah, we've got a lot more people looking at London. Most of the research is saying probably mid to end this year will be the time when it actually does turn. You're right, compared to 2015, a lot of it's still below water. Um, from a, a, an increased perspective. So there's a lot going on. It's very positive. It's a case, the case of London. You're seeing a lot of this return to work from the COVID people. They have to go back to work now when they were working from home, and there's a lot more pressure on that. So I think we will see London doing a lot better and starting its own cycle again, which then the rest of the UK will follow some 10, 15 years later. So we've got a boom coming on in London That'll start running over the next five to eight years. After that, you'll have the rest of the country following it, and we get into another 18-year cycle. Okay. And any regions you've got your eye on? I saw that Zoopla had a, in December, they had a a top 10 places for yield um, in their report. Well, in today's market wrap, I can tell you the top five places for yield are, hold on to your hat. Okay. Yeah, we're listening. You ready? You got your hats held on now? Make sure they're held on sat, tightly. Sat down as the well. number one place. Okay. The number one place for rental yield in the UK is Middlesbrough. Hey. Okay. <laughs> How about that? Apparently on a, on a uh, studio flat in Middlesbrough, the average yield is 16.8%. And what could you buy it for? Okay. 77,000 quid is the average price. So number two is Sunderland. Three Bradford, third Belfast, uh, fifth is Preston. So all the sorts of places you'd expect, right? Because the property values are are so much lower. Then obviously, naturally, the yield is going to be higher. So I would caveat that by saying just because they've got the highest yield, avid listeners, it doesn't necessarily mean they will be the best purchase for you. It all depends on what your goals and ambitions are. And exactly so. So if you listen to the market wrap this week, we go into all that. And what are the other aspects to consider, such as the levelling up agenda, quality of tenant, um, commutability, sort of job prospects? I mean, they're saying that Bradford's going up, 
because Haribo have agreed to in, uh, increase their factory in Bradford by an extra 5,000 people. But not everyone wants to work at Haribo. So that's the sort of thing you need to think about. What sort of people do you want to live in your flat or your house when you rent it out? Okay. Yes, I I had a, a trip to Middlesbrough when I was doing some filming one time and I had to arrive at uh, 10 o'clock on a Friday night in the centre of town. And uh, that was a sight to see, I can tell you. I scurried to my hotel and, uh, and locked the door. But uh, it's a lively town, that's all I can say. Linthorpe Road on a Friday night is a fantastic place to be. You know, you go down there, some great pubs, good nightclubs, wonderful people, very hospitable. And um, I would recommend it to anyone, apart from if you're investor. Okay. Um so, uh, well, that's it for today. Uh, join us again next Monday. Until then, it's uh, goodbye from Callum. Cheers, Paul. Take care. Uh, goodbye from Stuart. Cheerio. And it's uh, goodbye from me. My name's Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.